Hey guys, Jeff Heimbuck here. I know you're all anxious to hear the episode 5 finale, so I'm going to make this super quick. First off, if you enjoy the show, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to the show. It does help others find the show, and you know the more people who listen, the better it becomes. I mean, that's how it works, right? That's just science. But seriously, if you do like the show, we'd love to see your thoughts portrayed in some kind of star-based rating system, so please leave us a review if you can. Secondly, a lot of people have asked how they can hear the live performance that is taking place at Midsummer Scream on Sunday, July 31st. Well, you're in luck, because I do plan on recording it, and we will be releasing it during our hiatus, provided it doesn't sound too terrible. But if you are in the area, please join us in Long Beach, California for the show and the convention overall. Remember to use the coupon code RETURNHOME at MidsummerScream.org for 30% off your general admission ticket. And finally, as soon as you finish listening to this episode, the hiatus begins. But don't worry, we're still going to keep the story going with our ARG. What's an ARG? It's an alternate reality game. The Society of Shadows is recruiting, and they want you to join them. This little thing we cooked up will begin shortly after the live performance, and we'll give you a little something to do before the new episodes start again in September-ish or so. For more information on how to sign up, go to returnhomepodcast.com and click on the ARG tab at the top of the page, and maybe, just maybe, something will arrive in your mailbox shortly. That's all for now, but as per usual, thank you all so much for listening and supporting the show. We love you, we're glad you enjoy it, and thank you so much for tuning in. Enjoy the conclusion to Episode 5, and we'll see you soon. The raggedy man lumbered toward us, his hulking form blocking any exit we may have had. Even from across the room, I can tell this wasn't going to end well for us. We have to do something! Okay, look, you two get behind me. Get ready to run for it. Wait, what? What are you doing? I'm going to distract it. You need to get out of here. I'm not leaving you. There's no time! Go! The raggedy man was upon us then, and he took a swipe at Michael. Luckily, he ducked in time and ran underneath his bulky arm. Amy quickly followed, as the raggedy man turned to face them as they ran toward the exit. Hey, raggedy man! Over here! Don't worry about them! He turned back to me, attracted by his new prey. Those precious few seconds were all that Amy and Michael needed to run from the room. Amy took one final look back at me, and her eyes locked. And then, she was gone. I didn't have any idea what the hell I was doing, so instead of trying to formulate a plan, I decided to wing it and just run. Come get me, you raggedy son of a bitch! I tried to fake him out by going to the left and then cutting back to the right at the last second. But despite his size, he was deceivingly quick. He grabbed me with his right arm and tossed me into a nearby display case. Before I can even think about getting up, he was upon me again. He lifted me into the air and slammed me against the wall, holding me there and choking me. I grabbed onto his arm and tried to pry his fingers free from my neck, but to no avail. My eyes went wide with fear as small ragged breaths escaped my throat. Looking directly into the raggedy man's own eyes, I can see that he didn't feel anything. I was nothing more than an annoying fly, something to swat away before returning to his original goal. His fingers grasped tighter, and I began to feel myself drifting away, bright starburst appearing out of the corner of my eyes before fading into nothingness. I could hear my own heartbeat slowing down inside my head, my hands losing their purchase and their will to respond to my commands. I began to slip deeper away, and I knew the end was coming. 
I wasn't sure if my consciousness had let go, or if I really did feel myself fall. After the shock wore off, the pain that followed moments later jolted me back in reality, where I saw I was no longer in the giant's grip, but instead lying on the floor. I opened my eyes and saw the raggedy man trying to pry something out of his side, like a lion trying to remove a thorn. Amy stood before me, trying to help me up. Come on, let's get out of here! What happened? I don't know what the horn of Bijou is, but he's going to have a tough time prying it out of his side. Come on! She helped lift me up, and together we began to run for the door. I looked back to see the raggedy man remove the horn, dark blood dripping down his side, before he started after us again. Faster! We have to get out of here! I'm okay. Let me go. We'll get out of here quicker if you're not holding me up. I'm not leaving you behind again. You're not. We just need a plan. Where's Michael? I left him in the main hall. Come on! I hobbled after Amy, the pain racking through my body. I could feel bits of glass pressing into my skin from the display case, but I tried to push through the pain, trying to run as quickly as possible. Behind us, I could hear the raggedy man following in pursuit. This way! We ran into the main hall, where the party had emptied out. Where is everyone? When a seven-foot-tall monster shows up to a party, I'm sure most people got the hell out while they still could. Where is my husband? Kaylin stood on the staircase, frantically looking from side to side, looking for Michael. He was just here a minute ago. He probably cut loose as soon as he had the chance. Why would he stick around if he knew we were onto him? What did you do with my husband? The raggedy man burst into the room then, knocking over some of the tables left over from the party. How are we going to stop that thing? I have an idea, but we need to get him over to the window. Go for the stairs! As the raggedy man swiped at us again, we made our way to the staircase where Kaylin was, stumbling up the stairs as best we could. He roared as he missed, his rage visible in his face. He lumbered after us until he stood just in front of the bay windows overlooking the lawn. Now what? Now we duck. Headlights appeared just through the window, getting brighter and brighter as they got closer. The raggedy man turned to look as the horn reached a fever pitch. He shielded his eyes from the brightness, just as Buddy's car drove right through the window. The raggedy man's body bounced off the hood of the car, throwing him backward into the main hall. He lay still, unbreathing, as we all strained our necks to look. Buddy got out of his car and took a look around. Okay... That was like that when I got here, I swear. Thanks, buddy. You definitely saved us. How did he know to do that? He texted me. I told you I'd be outside if you needed me. Oh, no! My house! On the second floor landing, Michael appeared, looking surprised. He surveyed the damage before looking at his wife. Michael, where have you been? And your house, excuse me? Oh, shut up, you hoppy! Is he down for good? I don't know about him, but my car is definitely down for good. It's not over! It's never that easy! Look! The raggedy man began to move again, his breathing echoing in the hall. He slowly got to his feet and looked directly at us. How do we stop it? We have to destroy the record! Michael held up the record, apparently having it in his hands since he reappeared. Well, what are you waiting for? Destroy it! It's the only one left of its kind, and I don't want to part with it. Excuse me? The raggedy man let out a roar, signaling he was about to attack again. He did not look pleased. Michael, destroy it! But it's mine! Why is he so obsessed over a record? We have MP3s now. He's inhabited by the spirit of greed. He's one of the seven sins. I've had just about enough of your avarice, Michael. During our argument, Kaylin snuck up the rest of the stairs and right behind Michael. With one swift motion, she punched him in the face, knocking the record out of his hand into the floor below. 
The record broke into tiny pieces as it hit the floor, causing the raggedy man to stop in his tracks. He let out a terrifying roar as a dark light shone from the center of his body. It blinded us as if devouring his entire being. And then, in an instant, he was gone. The only traces left to him were the Edison record, shattered on the floor. No! My record! Oh, shut up, you whiny brats! Kaylin punched Michael again, and he fell to the floor, unconscious. Whoa, nice punch. Sorry about accusing you before. Looks like I was wrong to do so. Oh, really, that's no problem. But we should probably tell you about your husband. About being one of the seven sins? I know. You knew this whole time? Well, he did help me amass more of my fortune. I didn't mind turning a blind eye for a little extra cash. However, I've had just about enough of him. He's your problem now. Kaylin strode away deeper into the house as the three of us ran up the stairs to make sure Michael didn't get away. He was still lying unconscious on the carpet. How do we trap him back in the talisman? Yeah, Zane wasn't too clear on that. I'm not sure, but maybe if I just... The talisman burned against my skin, so I took it off from around my neck. As I leaned closer toward Michael, it began to swirl with an unseen power, with bright purple bolts of energy circling within it. Whatever you're doing, I think it's working. I pressed it against Michael and his entire body went rigid. His eyes shot open, his mouth widened up more than I thought was possible. What is that in his mouth? Being drawn up from the back of his throat was the blackest black ooze I had ever seen. It reminded me of the ectoplasm from Ghostbusters 2, but shinier. Its tendrils seemed to be struggling against the force of the talisman pulling it out, trying to grab onto Michael's body for purchase, but it was no match for the talisman's power. It looked just like a long, dark worm, its oily surface leaving marks on Michael's clothes. As soon as it touched the talisman, it was quickly sucked up into the dark stone at its center. Michael's body went limp again, and it was all over. Is that it? I think so. Hey, look! Amy pointed at the talisman, and we all noticed that one of the seven depressions was no longer empty. Instead, a small black stone, similar to the one in the center, took up one of the holes. Whoa! Is that the sin? It sure looks like it. One down, six to go? Well, that wasn't so hard, was it? Minus the giant hulking monster? Yeah, I'm sure it was a piece of cake. I don't know about you two, but I am all partied out. I say we get out of here. Somebody better call us an Uber, because I'm clearly not driving. We made our way down the steps and toward the front door. Oh, wait! I forgot something. Buddy leaned into his car and grabbed his keys. Where to? Home. Or, you know, maybe a hospital? It's a good thing I'm not driving. I love you and all, but you would not be bleeding all over my car. After a few quick bandages and a tetanus shot, we left the hospital. We parted ways with Amy and arrived back at Buddy's house before midnight. Hey, what's this? Sitting on Buddy's doorstep was an envelope. I didn't order anything from QVC this week. He picked it up, studied it, and handed it over to me. It's addressed to you. I didn't order anything either. As Buddy unlocked the door, I opened the package and shook its contents loose. What is it? A DVD marked September 2011 fell into my hands. Oh, cool. A movie. I had no idea how it got here. We had left it in the archives just before the raggedy man attacked, but clearly someone wanted to make sure I got it. Well, I'm beat. I'm going to head to bed. Nice work today, dude. Good night. Yeah, uh, good night. Who knew about this? Who left it here? 
Obviously, someone wanted me to find it, but why? I sat on the couch, holding it in my hands. I just stared at the disc, wondering what I should do. Should I throw it out? Should I watch it? What? <sighs> it didn't take long for it to get the better of me, and I decided to put it into the DVD player. I turned on the TV, put the disc in, and braced myself for what came next. The image that appeared on the screen was of Amy. She was smiling and looking directly at the camera, a camera that I was holding. Well, hello there, beautiful. Johnny, what are you doing here? I just wanted to see you. It's getting late. Get out of here. It's almost midnight. You know the rules. I just wanted one last look at you before tomorrow. Okay, you looked. Now get out of here before someone sees you. I would hardly think that they would blame me. Oh, stop it. Okay, I'm going. I love you. I love you too. I can't wait for tomorrow. Oh, yeah? What's tomorrow? Oh, you know. I get to be made up all pretty. I get my hair done. And then? And then? Then I become Mrs. Jonathan Barker. Return Home, Episode 5, Spirit of Greed. You just listened to Part 4 of 4. It was written by Jeff Heimbuck and produced by Andrew Taylor and Jeff Heimbuck. It featured the vocal talents of Alyssa Retorno, Evelyn Baruch, BJ Grip, Forrest Orta, and Jeff Heimbuck. The original musical score was by Corey Celeste. You can find out more about the show by visiting our website at returnhomepodcast.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash returnhomepodcast and on Twitter at returnhomeshow. If you've enjoyed the show, please consider supporting us by leaving a review on iTunes or contributing to our Patreon at patreon.com slash returnhomepodcast. Questions? Comments? Freaking out because of the cliffhanger? Send us an email at returnhomepodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, pleasant dreams.